In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Oh, well, hello. In the Lab, number two of the 2023 regular season is upon us. Drew Doherty, my guy, John Harris. Good to see you. Good to be with you, John. How are you, my friend? You know what, staying busy, Drew, as always. It's football season now, so it's what we do. Stay busy. And you do this for, what, what we got 17 more weeks, even by weeks. And it goes really fast. So you got to make sure you step back and take a breath and just, okay. That's right, um, Ferris Bueller. After you, you play do. week one. After you play week one, you got to take a breath. And, okay, where are we? What did we learn? How did we go about week one? Um, and I think there were a lot of good things to come out of week one, even in a loss. Yeah. You're like, or at least I was like, dang it, it's a loss. But you and I were on the field. We saw firsthand some really good things. Sean Pendergast brought it up on the radio on Tuesday morning. He said what I'd been thinking, but an overriding thing for me was just Willie Anderson. I know everyone talks about CJ Stroud. Understandably so, you should. He's a quarterback. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> Willie Anderson, if he's playing most of the quarterbacks on the schedule this year or just on any NFL regular season schedule, he, you know, Sean said, I bet he gets three sacks. Maybe not three, but hey, why not five or two or more tackles for loss. I mean, he was really, really impressive and not surprisingly so because we'd seen it in training camp. We'd seen it in the preseason. We'd seen it in OTAs, saw it the last few years at Alabama. I mean, everything he was there, he's looking like he's going to be here in the NFL. And geez, John, there was one, the uh, the sack that he fought, he fought through a hole. He was getting choked and he still got the sack. And I was, I was it with, yeah. I was with our guy Tyler Sudarth in the end zone shooting that and you know probably about 40 yards away and it was it was remarkable seeing it from that angle too. I mean, goodness gracious, the the relentlessness, the power, the agility to fight through things. I mean, he almost got another sack. There was he almost sacked Jackson twice on one of those pressures earlier in the game. I mean, golly, Will Anderson Jr just he stood out, leaped out to me on Sunday, John. Yeah, it he is definitely a hard to miss guy on the field. And it happened early. Um, yeah, immediately. Was, yeah. I mean, he was immediately generating pressure. This is how good Will was. According to next gen stats, Anderson generated six pressures and six defensive stops. Now I don't know what they classify as a stop. I've heard it's, I've heard it's typically a tackle definitions. for loss or zero yards or like one or two yards tops. Right, right. right. Yeah, like a stuff or a stop is usually yeah. a tackle for plus two yards or less. Yeah. His pressures were the most by a rookie in week one since, wait for it, Nick Bosa and Josh Allen did it in 2019, while his defensive stops were tied for the most by a rookie edge in week one and the next-gen stats era since 2016. Wow. That's how good he was. That was going against two formerly, uh, I don't know if Morgan Moses ever made the Pro Bowl, but Morgan Moses has been around the league for a long time, and Ronnie Stanley. Yeah. They got after it uh, against those two guys, John Grenard as well. I don't want to leave John out of this, but obviously the, the, the discussions about Will. Yeah. There's a relentless nature to hunt. And I, I said this on the radio the other day, and I don't quite know how to explain this, but I saw this at Alabama too. Will has this stance that he, if you watch it closely, 
he has this stance as the other team is coming out of the huddle. And I noticed this at Alabama too. And it just has this very like cheetah like I saw this video one day of a of a safari car where the cheetah had jumped into the back seat and it was just sitting there in the back seat. And the driver is filming, but he's not moving because apparently had he moved, the cheetah would have pounced. So he just stood still. And the cheetah just was on his haunches, just like ready to roll. Will's kind of got that stance. He kind of stands there and you're like, oh boy. And then he sees where they line up, where he needs to go. And he almost sprints to his lineup and gets ready and goes. It's, it's, I don't I know. know. It's, it's hard to explain. It's just something I've seen about. from him so often. Yeah. Yeah. And he just kind of, it just, the stance of, I'm about to kick your ass, uh, get ready. And then he does. <laughs> and it's kind of wild to watch. And so I saw him doing that. And I was like, oh man, it made me feel good because I'm like, this is, this is what I saw at Alabama. This is what we saw. And it's funny, Drew, every time that I write a new doc in my Google Docs, for some reason, when I just type D-O-C-S, for some reason, the first thing that pops up is my very first Harris 100 going into the 2022 season. So this time last, last year. Yeah. And I had Will Anderson Jr. as my number one prospect. A lot of people um, did. I eventually had him at number two behind Bryce. I had Bryce right. one and then Will Anderson Chet. So I finished. So Bryce, I thought, was just that much better. He's a quarter, not better than, than Anderson. But, but at a more I valuable said, position. No, nobody at any of their other positions was rated higher than Will Anderson. Kind of like how right. J.J. Watt was the best right. at his position in the NFL when he was there. Didn't mean he was the most valuable. He would say so himself, J.J. Watt would. But he right. was the best at his position. This is this is what I said. This is kind of the scouting report part. His twitch and hands are top notch. His explosiveness to and through run blockers is extraordinary. His quickness on loops and stunts inside unmatched. He's violent in all the best ways in the field. He has a knack for playing his best in big games. He control blockers with his strength and power. He has burst off the edge for days. His first step is blazing fast off the snap. Bend power hands. He beats guards with power. He beats light quick tackles with speed. He is the alpha in a program with dozens of them. He's number one all day long, and barring some unforeseen disaster, he'll be number one April too. That just was Bryce Young was a quarterback, so I just moved Bryce ahead. Point being, all those things I talked about all came to fruition against Baltimore. Not only that, the one part where I said his quickness on loops and stunts inside is unmatched, that's how Steven Nelson got his interception. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm going to put that up on Telestrator. Because it was a great scheme. It was well done. It was rush working with coverage. It was Anderson generating pressure to not allow Lamar to step into his throw. And it was tremendous coverage from Steven Nelson. Will Anderson is all that, a bag of chips. Um, and I can't wait to see even more at home and let the home fans see him. And what I love about this, Drew, is there's been so much talk about CJ because, you know, CJ's quarterback. There's so much talk about CJ. Not going to sit there and tell you Will's been lying in the weeds. People want to know about Will and all that, but the, the focus has been on CJ. And even going forward, it'll be on CJ. He's a quarterback. Yeah. But after week one, that now has changed. I think there are going to be a ton of people coming to that stadium going, yeah, yeah, CJ's fine. I want to see 51. I want to see that guy. I want to see the Terminator. Because well, this town, as you know, Drew, how many defensive players have we seen that, that people want to see play? What? Clowny. Um, 
you know, even the linebackers at a time when it was Bernard McKinney and Zach Cunningham were incredibly fun to watch together. DJ Reader in the middle. And then the Bulls on parade before that, you know, D'Amico. I mean, all these players, these fans are used to seeing really good defensive players. I know they want to see great offense, but they'll really appreciate Will Anderson for sure. You know, there's a lot of throwaway lines that we use in the media that we use just in general in, in everyday life. One of them is Kyle and Kyle Brandt made a good good point of it last week. He said, it'll it's going to be interesting or it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I, I say that way too much. I think we all have fallen into that uh, a time or two. But another one is keep your eyes on, which, you know, okay, don't. Will Anderson is literally, I'm going to, when when the Texans are on defense and I'm up high or down low or really anywhere, where's 51? I want to watch what he does because that's fun to see. It's fun to yep. see him just pretty much most of the time whip the ass of whoever's across from him. Yes. And Absolutely. you don't always, you don't always like isolate on certain guys. I did when Watt was here. In, in 2014, really anytime Clowney was healthy and out there, but those times in 2014 when he was healthy, I was like, okay, well, what's the number one pick uh, going to look like? And then he'd do something <laughs> wild. It looked like a grenade right. blew up, you know, on the offensive line. Will Anderson is that way. Anyway, so we just jumped right into Will Anderson talk. Uh, and, hey, why not? This is in the lab. This is our podcast to do that. Let's do cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. We eliminate Will Anderson from – the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Thank you, Randy Macho Man Savage. Rest in peace. And we got to focus on one player who was the cream of the crop in your eyes and my eyes. We each get one, but we'll start with you. Who was your cream of the crop guy from Sunday in Baltimore? I know it was a loss, but who'd you like? The cream of the crop. I have two in mind, and I don't know if I take one if I'm taking yours, but... I don't want it to be forgotten how good Jonathan Grenard was. Okay, good. Uh, Jonathan Grenard, I mean, he had a sack. Will Anderson had a sack, but John played the run well. He tracked down Lamar when Lamar was trying to chase away one time, and uh, and John hunted him down. I feel like we're watching a combination of edge guys that we've had in a long time and how hard they play together. The one other thing that I've noticed about John is – step into the forefront to be one of the leaders on this defense. And that has been a really interesting dynamic that's developed, I think, especially this year. And I think John's always had that in his, in his bag, but, you know, injuries. And, and the one other thing for John, too, you know, continuity is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like having the same – like you and I have been doing it in the lab for how long? Um, I think we I started mean, it in like 18, maybe 17, right. a while. So a we've while. been doing this for a good six, seven years, man. And you know, <laughs> continuity, we get better at it. You know, you can finish my sentences, I can finish yours, that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it just makes it a lot of much better. Think about John Grenard's coach. You know, like his, he started with, with Bill O'Brien in 2020. He's gone through how many head coaches? He's gone through how many defensive coordinators? He's gone through, what, three different defensive scheme changes. He's gone through three or four defensive line coaches. I mean, that's the Houston. That's the Houston Texans. The entire team. If you think I know, of, but you know, like, and I know what you're. Is. I know what you're saying, but yeah, it's it's been a yeah. Anyway, go ahead. But you give <laughs> a guy some continuity mm -hmm. and a foundation, and mm -hmm. you see what he can do. And obviously, John needs to stay healthy. He knows that. I mean, shoot, he told me that after the the year last year, um, like two days after the season was over, and he had that pick six against Indy. He was just like, you know what? I, you know, I know there's a coaching change, but 
get it set, get some continuity in my life, and let's see what we can do. And as long as John Goddard stays healthy and Will Anderson stay healthy, those two are going to be a problem. Yes, a they are. A problem on Sunday for offensive tackles. And and that's a great – I love that we brought up John Grenard because the instant I started talking about Will Anderson, I thought, oh, man, we need to we need to bring up Grenard. He was really good too. But uh, he's also going to be a father soon, so congrats yes. to John Grenard. Got to get congrats that in there. John but good cream of the crop. For, for me, my guy on the stat sheet didn't really do a whole hell of a lot. And so I think if you just look at the stats and you hear what I say, you'll be like, God, not you, but – People in general might be like, ah, Drew, what, what the hell are you talking about? But my cream of the cropper. The cream of the crop. Derek Stingley Jr. Ah, good one. Good one. I was on the field like you, like I said, like I know I've mentioned that a few times. And in the third quarter, about mid midway through late in the third quarter, a roar went up from the Baltimore crowd. I mean, they went, it was the one of the most boisterous responses. It was that, you know, after the touchdown. And when the guy up on the jumbotron did the O R I O L E S, which is cool because the Orioles are rolling and everybody's an Orioles fan again up there. But the crowd roared in the third quarter when Odell Beckham Jr. caught a pass. It was a first reception of the game. But I looked up, it, it wasn't Stingley who was covering him. Stingley no. had him covered all of the first half, drew a PI, which you could probably argue was not really a defensive pass interference by Stingley. Um, that was that was tough. That was bogus. Oh, OBJ, you know what that was? That was that was James Harden. Yeah. Pump faking and getting, you know, leaning into a guy and then flailing yeah. his legs and then getting the call. That was yeah. not a defensive PI and neither was the first one. I think Odell Beckham Jr is outstanding. Is he all the way back to what he was was? No, but I Bet you when the season ends, it's going to look a lot like if he's healthy, if he stays healthy. I think it's going to look like an Odell Beckham Jr. type of season. I just think that's how good Derek Stingley Jr. is. I Did did he allow any completions to Beckham while he was covering him? I don't know that he did. No, No, because Beckham had that one down the field, and then I think there was one other. I think he was targeted twice, one incompletion, and then the DPI. Yeah. you could argue wasn't, you know, and he, he uh, wound up catching a few passes and he made some nice catches and the, te- it wasn't just Stingley doing a great job on him. I mean, I think the other, the other guys did a pretty darn good job in coverage as well, but Stingley, I mean, they didn't even think to throw his way. And that's the marquee acquisition for that team. Beckham was, and they have high, high hopes for him. They went bananas when he finally did catch a few passes in the, uh, yeah. they started chanting yeah. OBJ. And it was like, yeah. yeah, that's great. He's that's his what second catch of the game, and we're in the fourth quarter. So mm-hmm. my cream of the crop guy is Derek Stingley Jr. What he did, you, you know, you and I kind of discussed this last week. Like, is he gonna travel with guys? Is he gonna stay on one side of the field? You also got to kind of give a give one out to Steven Nelson Jr. He gets the yep. pick, pretty good coverage as well. Zay Flowers, that guy's gonna be a pain in the ass. That guy's really really good. But Derek Stingley's my cream of the crop guy for what he did against Odell Beckham Jr. The cream of the crop. You know, one of the things about Zay Flowers, it wasn't as if Zay was beating a bunch of coverage, which he can. Mm-hmm. It was they would just give him the ball in space, and yeah. then he just made people miss. Now, mm-hmm. there's that you got to make those plays, but it wasn't like Zay was making you know these the, the cover guys miss. He was just getting the ball in space, 
Um, and then, you know, the, the one that everybody remember is he shook everybody, but that's, that's what Zay Flowers is going to be, which I would hope on our side, that's what Tank Dell can be for us down mm-hmm. the road. Zay Flowers is very, very impressive. Uh, I think you hit right on it, Stingley and, and Nelson and for sure. And by the way, that catch that OBJ made, A, that was Lamar's best throw of the day. It's one of the best I've seen him make. It was a mm-hmm. tremendous catch by OBJ. Yep. And it was tremendous coverage by Shaq Griffin. Exactly. Shaq was right. He was right there. But you're going against one of the guys with some of the best ball skills we've ever seen in NFL history. Mm-hmm. So there was a the, the funny thing about this game, Drew, is there were so many when I when I sit down to do Texans matchup, I do the ultimate eleven plays or moments of the, the previous game. And when we've gotten even in wins the last few years, there have been times where I'm like, man, I I I had a hard time getting to eleven. This was a loss of 16 points. I had way more good moments. I had to cut a couple of them, you know, put them on the cutting room floor. So I think there was a lot of positives to take out of this in week one, even in not going up there and getting a win, because there were a lot of reasons why. Didn't play clean offensively. Things needed to speed up. A lot of experience on that side of the ball. Defense was put on a short field. Um, So I think there's a lot of execution stuff that they can get better at coming into week two against, uh, against Indy. Amen. Which brings us to Indy. Who's your under the radar guy that you think is going to do some things this weekend and and make some plays that we haven't talked about yet? Who do you like? Okay. Um, as our buddy Landry Locker says, I'm going to go football hardo. Um, <laughs> geek. I think Shaq Mason is maybe the most important player in this game against the Annapolis Colts. Why? Well, somebody Deep has to solo block Grover Stewart into Forrest Buckner. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to. Um, and I'm not totally expecting Jared Patterson have to do that. And I don't know who's going to play left guard. So I, so I'm not even considering that. Um, but Shaq Mason has got to be that veteran that says, you know what? I've been in these wars before. I've got to step up, pay him a lot of money for the next three years. He's got to take his game to a different level on Sunday against the Colts, against those two guys. Now, he's built in the perfect way to go against a guy like DeForest Buckner because he won't lose leverage to Buckner. Now, Buckner has all the arms and levers and all that because he's long. He's 6'7". But Shaq's 6'2 at best. If Shaq can just stay in his stance and just get underneath him and ride with him, I think he can have some success. But it's key because that offensive line, Shaq and Laramie, the two guys that weren't hurt on an offensive line, and our veterans and have been through the battles, they've got to play better than they played. And this group against the Colts who have – Always killed the Texans with Buckner and Stewart. He's got to go toe-to-toe, and he's got to win those battles so the Texans can win this war. Okay, I like it. Shaq Mason is your under-the-radar guy against the Colts. Final Twitter question of the day is this. Tell me your favorite Texans over the Colts win all time. There have only been 10 of them. Which one's your favorite? It's got to be 2015 up at Indy. Got to be. Um just winning that game on the road. And I actually use you as an inspiration because I remember we were coming back from the combine in 2015 and we were on the, we were in the taxi going home and you go, and you said, you know what? We've never come home from Indianapolis happy. I mean, not leaving the combine is we're happy, but we're just exhausted. But, and I, I remembered that. And I was like, mm, that's true. And so then we went the next year in 2015 and we went up there and the 90 yard drive to put them ahead finished with Brandon Weed and the Jalen strong, which at the beginning of 2015, you'd have been like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, and that put them ahead. And then the defense took over from there. And I'll just never re- forget the reaction 
on the sidelines in my ears. Um, you know, Mark and Andre had never called a game, a win at Indy. And I'm just watching all the guys that had been on the sideline and been there forever. And they were hugging. There were a couple guys with tears in their eyes. I mean, it was, it was just an emo- it was an emotional freaking moment. Um, and to beat them up there for the first time, that was cool. Then we did it in 16, then we did it in 18. Um, and then, of course, we did it in 2022 as well. But that's not what to talk about. But 2015, for sure, up there, that one, that one resonates for a long time. How about you? That was a good one. I liked the 2010 season opener. Yeah. Arian, who fought? Ar- what? Oh. Yeah. 231 yards, three touchdowns. It was, it was the launching of one of the greatest Houston Texans of all time. And that was a fun, yes, fun. That was, a, that was amazing, that, that, that victory. And D'Amico was on yep. the field for that one. Yeah. Anyway. Good call. Yeah, it's D'Amico's first game, first regular season game as head coach. So uh, I can't wait to hear it because no, I know it's going to be loud. Anyways, John, always good to be with you. Can't wait to do this again very, very soon. So long.